This fan base is amazing. The city of Cincinnati is amazing, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Desmond fakes a handoff, runs to the right. He's got all sorts of room to the 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Bearcats! 25, toward the middle of the field at the 35, and he is gone! Trey Tucker will take it 98 yards to the house! Ball poked away by DeJulius. Diving on the floor to grab it is Oguama. Bounces it for Lockett. Fires ahead to Adams Woods. DeJulius for three. Good! Cincinnati has scored 17 straight. The one-handed catch. Hands it off to Marcus Jones. He has tackled it to 34. It. And it is over. Zero losses. Zero doubts. Opportunity seized as the Bearcats send a message to the college football world. Did you see that? Hello, listeners, new and old. Welcome back to your favorite Bearcats podcast, People of Cats. I am your host, Justin Hiles, accompanied by my great friend, Steve Maurer, and we are here to bring you the very best of the Bearcats every single week. In our standard weekly previews, our post-game Twitter <laughs> coverage, and now, and also a split that we're going to do a little bit of covering some college football as well. Um, so keep on the lookout for all of that. Um, make sure to check us out on Twitter at Viva the Cats Pod, on Spotify and Apple Pods, or wherever you listen. Um, and check out at UC Uniforms to keep up to date with all of Steve's information on our uniforms weekly. So, catching everything back up, uh, we are on the bye week. So, we do have a little bye week segment that we're going to have towards the end of the podcast here. Um, but first and foremost, Bearcats squeaked away at home uh, for homecoming, winning 28 to 24 against the USF Bulls. The Bearcats do happen to move up to 21 in both polls before their bye week um, with another chance to move up. So what is the general feeling after that game? Because that was not, not pretty. That was probably one of the ugliest games we've had all year. I'd say even more ugly than our, our Arkansas. Um, I think this is just uh, USF being USF. Uh, we never seem to really play a clean game with them. Um, and I think it's also just the fact that I don't think we're as motivated as we might have been last year um, now that our guys are gone and we already lost the game this year and uh, we're leaving. So uh, it's... Yep. It's a little, I, I think I wrapped it up there, uh, summed it up just a little <laughs> bit for you. Pretty but much. Other than that, uh, um, it's it's been a little bit tough for the guys to get get excited. And I mean, you know, I can understand that. But hey, I tweeted this out from the UC Uniform account. Um, Brett McMurphy has us projected to go to the Cotton Bowl uh, again to play USC. Team has been pretty good this year and yep. they consider the game a pick em. So um, if you're like me and Justin, who have been lifelong Bearcat fans and remember what it used to be like in the old days and not so long ago, um, I, I just got to be happy. I got to smile. I got to just like enjoy it. So, yeah. um, you know what? I, I'm glad for ESPN Plus because I don't think any of the poll voters watched our game. So yeah. uh, I think that's a good thing yeah. um, and because there was no real reason for us to move up um, by our play, but I guess right. a couple other teams did lose and move them down so uh and you know for whatever reason like people just uh, are liking our win against indiana a little bit more um yeah. after how they played in the first half and um you know just i think 
it's also just that we've earned a little bit of respect um, over the past couple of years. Like people see, okay, yeah, they're a playoff team. Um, they were in the playoff. They've made two uh, big six bowls and they, they, they get a, a couple of all games, they get a chance. So um, I'm okay with it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm completely fine with them just like not watching our game. Eh, you see, move them up, you know, why not? So, right. um, but uh, Gary Bohannon, man, shout out to him. He must be driven because like yeah. you win the big 12 four year old school and they're like sorry friend you're not uh you're not starting next year so yeah. uh, you know good for him but um justin do you think jeff scott is going to get fired this year i think it's coming i'm i actually now that um we're mentioning that specifically i do want to look at the rest of their schedule in the next few games because at this point i think we could kind of similarly to auburn similarly to some of these other schools start to make a bet as when that's going to happen honestly tulane i think this week is going to be interesting we'll talk a little bit about tulane and the rest of the aac later tulane houston i think at temple might be the one to get done because temple um which we'll also get into is piss poor awful and i think if they can't manage to win one out of the next three games he's done that's i mean they'll still have one win on the year against uh fcs howard so uh, <laughs> not pretty of a situation for the bulls nope. um but yeah speaking specifically to that game um i actually did not get to watch any of it except for the final two minutes we were out all day um had a lot to get done um so unfortunately missed most of that so i don't i haven't seen a lot of the storyline other than kind of what's materialized out of um the questions around evan prater um who got a chance to pop into the game late um and kind of had to seal things up um so I don't know. It's, I, I think this is one of those ones where we're just going to take a breather, be thankful that we got out of it. But again, for the second week in a row, this is one of those situations where we probably should have dominated a, li a little bit more in that game. And we just like to play with our food. Um, yeah, I think that's so. fair. We, we do play with our food a little bit. And I think it's also a fact of uh, it's homecoming. You think these guys are just going to roll over and uh, we, we almost messed around and found out last year with Tulsa about how people, <laughs> I don't think teams like being named as the homecoming game. I don't think people like they don't. it very much no, because no. that's usually a sign of disrespect. So, yeah. um, and I think it's also Justin that uh, when, when we don't have our foot on the gas and when things just aren't working, like we kind of just rely on our defense to win games, which I mean, yes, but also like that. And I don't think it really matters this year just because we're not going to be in the playoff conversation and we're just going to, as long as we hold serve, keep doing our business, we are probably the favorite to get G five auto bid yeah. to the, the new year six bowl. But uh, I just, I, I don't like when we, when we play down and it seems like it's a Bearcats thing because we've always been the big fish in a little pond uh, except for the big East years. We like recently, and then back in conference USA, it seems like, uh, you know, just UC has always been the big fish in Little Pond and it makes, makes it a big game for everybody else. Not so big for us. And then, you know, right. Play just, uh, goes down a little bit, but I liked what coach Fickle said about, um, the Tulsa game, uh, in his midweek press conference last week, he was like, yeah, we're just not going to talk about that and just move <laughs> on. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, Justin, I think we can just move on. Um, yep. there's no real reason to talk about it. It, they seem to just 
keep winning, uh, even though they do, should win by more. As long as they keep winning, that's all that really matters. Yeah, and honestly, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Um, you know, the Bearcats sit right now five and one, only loss being to Arkansas at the beginning of the year, first game out the gate, ranked on the road. I think we've we've taken care of business for better or for worse, and that's kind of the conversation now. Of course, we're on our bye week. Um, so we don't have a game this week, which means we're injecting a little bit of, um, a new topic in, um, which is a fun one. So we'll get to that here in a little bit. Um, the next game that we do have is at SMU. We will be going down to Dallas over to Highland park and seeing if we can pull one out there. Um, we'll preview that again next week, but just kind of giving a preview of the rest of our schedules, SMU in the latter half, SMU UCF on the road, on the road, which we are their homecoming game. So I don't know if that's disrespect or if they just want people to come out, but uh, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Um, and then we have Navy ECU both at home, followed by Temple on the road and Tulane at home uh, for the final game of the season on Thanksgiving weekend. So that'll be fun. Nobody's going to show up, even though it's going to be very important. <laughs> Maybe they will. Hopefully we'll have a better turnout. We're not usually too good at keeping that turnout for Thanksgiving break, which you can't blame students for that. Um, regardless, um, kind of talking about what uh, another sort of uh, bi-week sort of thing that we've got going on this week, we're going to do the AAC halfway through the season state of the union. <laughs> so essentially um, we're kind of going down with uh, what the Bearcats uh, final season in the American uh, wh what's everybody looking like? I mean, is this, are we going to have some teams that, We've talked earlier in the season, we talked in the off season about what teams might be able to sort of uh, take a foothold going into next season, what teams might be a little more prolific um, and, you know, who's going to be same old, same old AAC not showing up week in, week out. Um, so first one that we want to talk about here, uh, Navy. Navy has been arguably horrible <laughs> all season long. And then somehow, some way, they made Tulsa look horrible by flattening them 53 to 21. What is going on with Tulsa and what did Navy figure out? Um, well, with the triple option, it's a little bit interesting. You kind of have to have a stud quarterback, uh, at least at Navy, you kind of have to have a stud there. Otherwise, they have not been good. Um, and it's kind of led to questions about, should they still be in the conference anymore? Have they been figured out? But uh, it seems like Tulsa just doesn't decide to practice triple <laughs> option, even though they have to play them every year. Uh, right. seems like, uh, as Alex Kirshner put it this week on split zone <laughs> duo, like no idea at all what they're doing out there. Um, and I don't know, it's just very interesting because defense seemed to play pretty well against the Bearcats held the Bearcats to 24 points, but Man, if you're not ready for the option, you can get rolled, dude. Like, yep. uh, somehow Houston uh, was not ready for the option when they played Army a few years ago, even though they played Navy every year. Um, they played Army and they got rolled in that bowl game and they got uh, that got their head coach fired at the time, uh, which brought in Dana Holgerson. But if you're not ready for it and they just keep coming at you, then you know, you're just not feeling like stopping it that day. It can yeah. roll downhill on you. So yep. um, I thought Navy was bad, but they've uh, beat my beloved ECU Pirates and yep. <laughs> most recently the Tulsa Hurricanes. Um, not much of a home crowd at Navy, but 
I don't know. Uh, they're interesting. I want to talk about Tulsa a little bit, though, Justin. Yes. Fire Philip Montgomery. Get his <laughs> ass out of there. Get him out of there. The yeah. dude exists just to go six and six and just stick in the crawl of everybody else. And they're never good. They're never bad. Just like the basketball team, never good, never bad. Like yeah. never, I'm sorry, never great or never bad. They exist to stay in the middle there. And his two best teams, you know, I, I don't know what the 2020 team went, but if you look, they got some calls that year, brother. Like they're, they, <laughs> that's one of my favorite episodes of Scott Van Pelt's Bad Beats is when they uh, talk about this Tulsa ECU game from 2020. And somehow the refs must have gotten a big old bag before the game because Tulsa got first down, automatic first down penalties on three straight third downs to keep a drive alive and to help them uh, extend the game into overtime and win the game. They should not have been in that American Conference Championship that year. Probably yeah. should have been someone else. But um, so uh, I don't like them for that. And then like their only other good year was when they went nine and three uh, in 2016. But that was six years ago. You see, that was uh, UC's last year under uh, a senator who now shall not be named because he yeah. sucks. <laughs> um, but I just, I have nothing for Tulsa. They're one of those teams that they don't do anything for me. Um, I don't, I really don't know why they were added. And like these other teams that are coming in from Conference USA, I really don't know why they were added other than UAB. Like to me, right. just doesn't make any sense, but get them out of there. Get somebody fun, score some points, do something else. Like, cause they should really be looking for another coach, like someone who's not going to go six and six in this new version of the American. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of wide open for everybody other than like, you know, UAB. Um, right. Uh, and like maybe FAU, if they get it turned around, it's kind of wide open for everybody else. So I, I say, you know, dude, why not start something new? Let the Phil Montgomery era finally end and then just finally figure out something else to do with that program. Cause we need some, yeah. we need something fun going on. There <laughs> it's like basically a high school stadium there and yeah. no one ever goes. So I'm kind of tired of Phil Montgomery. <laughs> That's but, fair. Uh, and my dog agrees. Yeah, <laughs> clearly. Um, Real quick, just because you mentioned it, I wanted to kind of look into Phil Montgomery a little more. Uh, his overall coaching record uh, at Tulsa is 40 and 50. Uh, so he does not have a 500 record. Um, he is 25 and 31 in conference. Um, and over the past, uh, I guess, if I can do quick math, eight seasons, nine seasons, eight seasons that he's been there. Um, he has produced a six and seven, 10 and three, that 2016 season that you're talking about. Two and ten, three and nine, four and eight, six and three, seven and six, and two and four so far this year. So, um, not a lot going on there. Yeah, you, you make a really good point there. Um, that's um, just well, last year Justin too. I thought he was going to get fired, and then he because he started out one and five, and then he finished the year six and one. And I'm like, no, yeah, <laughs> get someone else in there. Like because well, now I don't have to cap for the conference anymore. I think our conference is not going to be very good once we. Oh yeah, um, but like just from a like trying to talk it up so that we could like say our wins look better stand right they never made the us look better they always made us look worse so you know like that they eventually did. i i kind of just want someone else new in there i'm i'm a hundred percent in agreement with you on that um kind of moving on here smu uh took a pretty fat l to ucf um continuing their now three game losing skid 
um, after two very pedestrian wins to start the season. Um, trying to remember who those were. I remember one was uh, North Texas. Can't remember the other one at the time, but um, yeah, not so pretty for SMU and the Ponies. Um, I think this is just, an, again, another one of those programs that you'd expect a lot more from uh, going into you know the final year of the AAC. Nobody's really moving around. Um, and a lot of these teams that look like they should be trying to make their move now are just not ready. And I think when a team like UAB comes around, they're going to get blindsided. I mean, I think UAB could really make some noise because clearly none of these teams want to vie to actually um, take over. And it seems it's one of these things with college football, like every team has goals. You've mentioned this very specifically at uh, different points in time, but every team has a different goal. I think we kind of get caught up now that we've won so much lately. We get caught up in this thought that like, you know, the goal is the college football playoff. The goal is New York six bowl for a lot of teams. The goal is to go 500. <laughs> the goal is to like be something better. The goal is to be bowl eligible. Um, and it doesn't, they're just happy to be whatever they're in. SMU should be the kind of team that wants that New Year's six bowl and they just don't perform like it. And it, especially, I mean, they're in their first season, post Sonny Dykes, you're going to have some adjustments. You're going to have some changes. They played pretty well last year. Of course, they got ass blasted by the Bearcats and Nippert. Uh, that's a different story altogether, but I don't know. I mean, SMU, I think, has just kind of been a disappointment for what we'd expect out of them, uh, again, going into this final season where they're going to have the heavy hitters to play. You're going to have the Houston's. You're going to have the UCF's. You're going to have the Cincinnati's. You need to try to steal something from somebody if you want to have some amount of legitimacy going into next season. It just feels like SMU has had their moments to win those big games. And other than like the – they started off 8-0 last year. They won that TCU game, but obviously Gary Patterson got fired last year, so it kind of just didn't end up turning out like to be that big of a win. But – seems like every big game they've been in ever since Sonny Dykes. And now if you can call them big games with like UCF, Maryland, TCU, yep. they seem to lose every big game they're involved in. Um, yep. Like, you know, and then Cincinnati last couple of years, um, they got blasted the, the both of those games <laughs> uh, in Dallas and in Cincinnati. So yep. um, I, I'm kind of wondering what the vibe is there because, you know, like it was not really supposed to be a year zero situation. For right. Them. They were supposed to be kind of just be turnkey good. And uh, um, I, I only know that the score at halftime of that UCF SMU game was like 19 to 16. I think UCF was leading and then UCF pulled away in the second half. But um, I think I texted you. It's like, it's kind of sad that I'm not scared of either of these teams right now. And, right. Um, obviously, UCF, it will be a good game. I, I do think that it will be a tough game to win there. But, like, well, uh, speaking from our track record, we're not going to really impress at SMU, but we right. should be able to come out with a win. Um, but I think it's just the fact, too, that, like, you know, SMU should be better, should be one of those teams that, like, kids come home to after, like, being away from Dallas or like going somewhere else for their first couple of years, they should be Kings of the transfer portal and um, we'll see what happens with them, but well, let's yeah. move on from SMU. I'm tired of them. We've uh, seen we'll what happens when they week. try to get that Texas talent. That's uh, right. <laughs> shout <laughs> out pony, <laughs> pony expense, uh, express. Uh, yeah. Moving on uh, from SMU. 
Um, Tulane, I think, is the most interesting story of the season. You could not have possibly convinced me before this season that Tulane would be, uh, I believe it's now, uh, I gotta, I, I gotta look at the record because I want to say it's six and out. No, five and five one. Five and one. Five and one. Yeah. Their one loss coming to none other <laughs> than Southern Miss. Not pretty. Uh, you lose by a field goal there. But aside from that, they've managed to take Houston on the road. Uh, they beat ECU pretty handedly. They managed to beat Kansas State, um, who is no slouch, and took care, took care of Alcorn State and UMass. Um, regardless, they're going in right now 5-1 and one on the season. You're at the halfway point, and you're a game away from bowl eligibility. And they're first in the American, tied for it. Uh, Tulane is definitely not something that I would have expected, but as we always love to say, we love the green wave here. <laughs> okay. All right. I do love the green wave, but when they come in the way of my cats, I'm, I have my allegiances <laughs> shift. I'll be honest. Um, Justin, I'll just ask you a question. Cause I'm not very impressed with them. Why should I be impressed with them or why should I like them? Because uh, I, I wasn't really impressed with the Kansas state game. It seemed like kind of just a slog. Uh, they were one for 10 on third down that game. Kansas state was two for 15. Um, mm-hmm. It seemed just like nothing was working for either team. Uh, and Tulane just happened to pull that one out. That wasn't like a crazy impressive win or anything. And then the next week they just come home and lose to their old offensive coordinator at their <laughs> own place to a SMU team. I'm uh, sorry, to a Southern Miss team uh, who Brett Favre tried to help as much as he could, but he, uh, <laughs> the, the results just aren't on the field right now. Two and three for the, for the golden Eagles. Um, and you know, they've, they've played all right. And like, they, they kind of pulled one out of the fire against Houston, but Houston plays every game close. So not that right. impressive. And, um, I don't know who they, who did they just play ECU last week? ECU, 24 to yeah. nine. Yeah. ECU. I don't know what to think about them this year. They're going to be just chaos ball. And sometimes it'll work like it did against us, uh, USF. And sometimes it's just not going to work. And, uh, so to me, uh, I just, I don't believe in Tulane, Justin. Um, and I don't like that. Um, maybe it's that I'm kind of tired of, maybe people are kind of tired of seeing the Bearcats in that, you know, preeminent G5 team role and they want to see someone else. So, but I get offended by that. So because whenever <laughs> I see like people saying like, oh, maybe this team, I'm like, no, no, you can't have it. It so, can't be. Because, um, but Justin, should I believe in them or should, are they just fraudulent? I think you should believe in them. I, I know you're, we're disagreeing here, but I think personally, like Tulane is just one of those teams right now that sure, they might look a little fraudulent on paper, but if there's one thing, I think, I think here, here's what I'm, here's what I'm going to say. This is really going to change the conversation. Think of Tulane the same way we think of the Bearcats. There's expectations on the board. No matter what happens, you have all of these things that you want to achieve. You want to be at this point. You want to be at that point. But at the end of the day, you got to go out on the field and you got to win. Did you do it? Yes or no? Tulane has done it five times this year and only lost once by a field goal. Sure, there's some fraudulence there, but at the end of the day, they've managed to win, and that is not Tulane's expectation. This is their 
define their expectations. We're not saying that Tulane is going to be some power hitter. We're, we're not saying this or, that it's going to be, you know, a team that everyone should fear. But is Tulane defying expectations and is Tulane actually playing up to par of up and above what they should be? Yes. And I think for that reason, Tulane is at least an exciting team to follow and watch for the remainder of the season because there's a legitimate possibility with how everything is shaking out in the AAC that we're going to play them at the end of the year in the championship. And we're going to have this back-to-back thing that we had with Memphis in 2019 where it's you're going to play them final game of the season. It's going to be your top two teams in the conference, and then they're going to play again the next week. That final game is going to determine your home advantage. There is a legitimate possibility looking at that, but they could still be exposed by any of USF, Memphis, Tulsa, UCF, or SMU. I think that possibility is there. The reason I'm only hating on them really is because like I, I did tune into that Southern Miss game, and they just did not play very well. And I tuned into the first part of the Houston game and Houston went up on them big. Like, I don't know. I just, in the spots I've watched them, I've just not liked what I've seen. Obviously the results are there, but that, that SM like that, that uh, Southern miss game, by the way, they shouldn't, they, they kind of pulled that one closer than it was because like they were driving with four minutes to go through a pick six and then scored, but it was really like a 10 point game. So, yeah. you know, and they just didn't get the onside kick at the end, but, um, I don't know. Maybe I just, I've, I've seen enough of them. So that's um, fair. Well, moving on from, from uh, them, I would also like to uh, mention the ever so odd conversation of Memphis and Houston. They both played each other this week. Memphis had a, I, I gotta, I gotta look at the specific number. I believe it was in like the twenties range of a lead and blew it and blew it like huge. Like Memphis and Houston, um, they played each other this week. Not pretty. Somehow Houston managed to come back from a horrible deficit to then end up now being three and three Houston is definitely shooting below expectations. Memphis shooting below expectations. And now we look at again, the same conversation of, who should be the first, you know, foot in the door with the AAC once these teams leave? Houston obviously has the benefit of that protection leaving now. You know, it looks so hot right now, but they're on their way out. Memphis should be that team that's taking over. Memphis should be the kind of team that, even though Houston's having a bit of a down year, should be the ones taking advantage of that. Memphis has been a back and forth program over the years, to say the least, but. Memphis should be a team that we should be afraid of right now. And personally, I mean, I think we're going to have this conversation with all these teams. What teams do we really fear? I mean, I feel like Memphis should be a team that we fear. And I just, I'm not scared of them at all. Not at all. I I just don't think the Silverfield era has really worked out. Uh, They went six and six last year. Uh, I don't really think a Memphis team with their talent should go six and six. Um, And also like, I I just don't think they've been able to keep the same recruiting mojo going. I think it hurts them a lot that they got left out and uh, UCF got invited to the big 12 over them, which from their football track record, it makes sense, but they probably thought they had a, a, a point to get into the big 12 with how close they are to the other teams in the big 12. But uh, uh, Houston, 
man, they just like playing on the razor's edge, buddy. Like they, like, I feel like every, well, every one of their games, except for the Kansas game has gone down to the wire. Um, and they, I don't know. I, Dana just likes playing, playing for keeps. So we're probably not going to fire Dana, but, um, would you fire Ryan Silverfield before he gets into the, now maybe he's better in a less competitive league, but uh, I don't, I mean, well, and also maybe you're not in the position at Memphis to be firing coaches who only go six and six, but yeah, you never know. I'm interested I mean, to see what they do there. If, if we look at their track record very fast, the teams they beat are Navy, Arkansas state, UNT and temple this year. They lost to Mississippi state big and, you know, kind of fudged it to Houston. I, I think the, we'd have be having a completely different conversation if Houston was down uh, and lost that game and Memphis was able to keep that comeback because realistically they're four and two. Um, I think that about meets the expectations, but right now they should be, you know, they should be in the top of the league with everybody else. Like they shouldn't have had an issue um, really with Houston, the way they've played this year. Um, so yeah, like, would you fire him? Just- I don't think so, but. Um, there's a lot of coaches that are going to be moving around this year too. And and this could upgrade. Yeah. And in the South, you know, they, they take football a little bit like, I mean, they, they like to fire people a little bit early sometimes. So you never know. They don't take football more seriously. They just like to pull the trigger a little bit quicker. That's what I meant to say. Um, but we'll see, uh, that that's going to sting for, for Memphis fans though, knowing that they lost that one to Houston when they could have like, held that over their head as Houston was leaving. Oh yeah. We're better than you. We beat you. But uh, Dana, man, they pulled it out. So yep. shout out to them somehow. Um, yeah. Can we talk about temple real quick, Justin? Yep. And then yep, we'll move course. on to our friends down South. Yeah. Temple. Um, all we need to say, going to make this real fast, 31 points through five games, two goose eggs and a three pointer that makes up their entire score for three separate games. Um, it's not pretty, it's not even ugly. It's obscene, horrid. I don't even know what to call it. Temple. Uh, it's amazing to imagine that we played temple in an AAC championship game. Like I can't even, I can't, or for, for a share of that title, for a share of that title, that, uh, that game, I don't know how this, I, this program was the last time they were good and they kind of (laughs) just nosedive since then. So, uh, Yeah, that's another team that I'm glad we never have to play again. Yep, easy enough. Um, finally, uh, the only thing, other thing that I have to say is that uh, Iowa makes this team look good. Their offense makes this team look good, and Iowa's a whole separate story of its own. <laughs> yeah. Speaking specifically to UCF, um, I think UCF, I was a bit hard on them a few weeks ago. They've done exactly what they're supposed to do. They've taken care of business. Um, they've done a little bit less of that. I think had they beaten Louisville, uh, maybe the conversation looks a little bit different. But overall, not bad, not great. We'll see where the thing's headed. But um, their matchup with the Bearcats in a few weeks, I think, is kind of going to be their telltale sign and see if they're really serious or not. Um, and obviously, we hope that we're going to come out of that one on top. But um, I think that's going to be their measuring stick because so far this season, the AAC has clearly uh, wanted to be a cannibal fest uh, in light of Jeffrey Dahmer. Um, I think <laughs> the AAC has just kind of been all over the map. Um, and it's, it's hard to really gauge where your program is week to week playing these teams that just play great one week and play awful the next. I mean, 
you know, the, the Bearcats are winning at least UCF. They're winning right now. We'll see what happens, but um, I don't know. I don't really, I, there's not really much to say on UCF. Yeah. Uh, they're interesting. I think they're figuring it out. Um, I think they got to figure out the quarterback situation a little bit. Um, and um, the win against SMU looks good on paper, but that first half was kind of ugly. Um, they lost to Louisville, which like, again, makes me not believe in them at yeah. all. And when people say they could get that G five spot, I'm like, but they lost to Louisville. That team. They're not, good. that's not happening. There is no way no. that happens. I mean, it, the, the part that sucks for us is that we didn't really, we have Indiana at least as our, you know, power five win. If we could have snuck like snuck out of Arkansas with that win too, I think we would have been golden. We wouldn't have a question about this conversation right now. The Bearcats would be six and zero. But yeah, I don't see how UCF could possibly sneak the near six slot there. It just doesn't make sense to me. No, and like they're just gonna have to figure it out. And I think they're gonna be in an interesting spot next year as we all go into the Big Twelve together. Um, they, I don't know. Like I just. I, they have kind of fallen off ever since Scott Frost because Heupel had it that first year and then he had kind of diminishing returns. And like Mackenzie Milton's yep. really been like their only great quarterback. Like Gabriel was good, but he wasn't like elite like Mackenzie was. So uh, I don't know. We'll see what they do because I'm interested to see how they operate um, as we head into the Big 12 together. I can agree with that. Okay, Justin, it's bye week. So we're not going to have our chase for the chili competition this week but what we are going to do it's a very popular segment on many other podcasts we're going to bring it right here we are going to draft oh and yeah drafts are fun the easy thing to do but uh we made a little spin on it so we are going to draft the fickle era one score wins our three favorite and our one least favorite the one we hate the most but we still got the dub in uh so <laughs> of course because, it's blurred out. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, uh, come on, no free, no free ads. We don't, uh, we don't so, drink here. <laughs> no, of course not. So, um, by the way, Justin, those, uh, tea guys or lemon guys, those are quite, quite tasty. So little brewski action. Little brewski. <laughs> um, so Justin, we are going to do something real simple here. I've listed them out all on our sheet. And you, the listener, will be able to see the graphic once we put it out. But uh, just real quick, uh, you know, we've started to I, – I noticed that the one-score games that started to get annoying kind of started in late 2019, early 2020, where we were like, okay, do we really have to be playing more one-score games? They were more exciting in the first couple of years. And then after that, they're just less exciting. <laughs> so, uh, Justin – I will let you start since I'm hosting this little segment and we'll just snake it and go back and forth. Snake draft. And nice. So why don't you make your pick and give me a little bit about why you liked it. And then we can save our worst one for the end. So we're picking our three favorites. That correct. is correct. So, yeah, but it's a draft. So yeah. if I pick one. You can't take the same game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty simple. I know, but Hey, every podcast is somebody's first. Correct. Yes. I am going to say that. Oh, with the first pick, stuffy list. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna have to start off with the USF game, 2019. That is gonna be my first draft pick. 
Uh, that is just a personal favorite of mine because one, I was, I was there. Sure. It's not going to be everybody's first pick, but I was there on the field for that game uh, covering photo. I had a bunch of angry and belligerent USF fans who were wearing uh, parkas and some winter coats and hats and gloves when it was 60 degrees out in uh, Tampa. <laughs> and they were all screaming at me because I was a photographer and they saw that I was associated with Bearcats, even though I actually was not wearing any Bearcats gear. I was just wearing full black and they gave me crap all game. And then I literally just got to turn around at them right when Sam Crosa put it between the uprights after their kicker had just missed pretty much the game winning field goal two minutes before that. And sending that off was so great. We escaped out of that one. That was a fun year. I'm going to say that would be my first pick USF on the road 2019. Okay. All right. Wouldn't be everybody's first pick, but I do think you have uh, a personal connection there. Yeah. <laughs> That's always fun when you're able to look up at the other team's fans and be like, yeah, eat it. Our yeah, team's exactly. winning, your team's losing, and you had to watch it. And you paid yeah. good money for it, too. So <laughs> I'm going to stay in that same season, Justin, with my okay. first pick. But uh, it's going to be a home game. It's a game that the Bearcats were there not we favored to win. It is the UCF game. 27-24, to 24, Bearcat victory. Um this was really kind of the turning point that UCF kind of dropped off and the UC really took the mantle, obviously didn't win the conference championship, but made their first trip there that year, won the next two and are looking to get back there once again this year. And UCF has not been to a conference championship game since. Um, I, I don't think they've won 10 games in a season since that. And it was kind of really the official changing of the guard and uh, just yep. everything about that game. Um, I really still enjoy like the sauce Gardner pick six, you know, so enjoyable. Um, Drell white had a pick uh, Alec Pierce uh, somehow got away with an offensive pass interference and caught a touchdown while falling onto his butt. Um, <laughs> there was just a lot of enjoyable things. And uh, there were some UCF fans that came to that game and uh, they got to watch their team lose. Yeah. Uh, so, so that was good. Um so I would say that was, and then, you know, people rush the field, which I'm iffy on, you know, but yeah, uh, I, I really think that spoke to people as like, this is the, the changing in the guard here. This is different. Yep. Um, with my snake pick, my second pick, <laughs> I am going to go to the one score win mo that happened most prior to that UCF game. And it's the 2018 military bowl against Virginia tech where the Bearcats pulled out a 35 to 31 victory yep. over the Virginia tech Hokies ending yep. their bowl losing streak and announcing to the world that, Hey, this Luke fickle thing, it might be something. Now it was a six and six Virginia tech team, but uh, Justin Fuente haunted me at the time because he beat uh, the 2015 Bearcats while he was at Memphis. And uh, uh, we didn't really like uh, in the building. We didn't really like how his Memphis teams played. We thought they were you know, typical Memphis. They're dirty. They, they low down, they dirty, they <laughs> snitch, you know? Um, so I really enjoyed that game though, because it was a raining mess. UC, UC was not favorite. I think we were seven point dogs because Virginia tech is pretty close to Washington DC. Well, and Annapolis, Maryland brought a pretty good sizable crowd there, but UC also had a sizable crowd and, uh, Desmond Ritter had to leave in the second half. So it's kind of a reverse of the UCLA game to start the year where yep. Desmond Ritter came in relief of Hayden Moore. Hayden Moore came in relief of Desmond Ritter in that game. Uh, Michael Warren scored a late touchdown. 
Bearcats sealed it with a James Wiggins pick. Uh, another one of his heroics that year. Uh, yeah. Luke Fickle tweeted from his uh, but but tweeted after that game. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, and that's a, a well known meme. Uh, it's uh, yeah. you got to you had to have been there to, to know about that one. Um, yeah. It was actually our social media manager, not Coach Fickle. Yeah. But, you know, uh, shout out, shout out to Shark. We love you. Yeah. Um, but I, I really just enjoyed that one because I still had demons from 2008 Orange Bowl and 2012. I uh, sorry, 2014 Military Bowl where we had lost to Virginia Tech in both those games. So. It was nice to beat the Hokies. Uh, Justin, what is your second pick and second and third picks for your favorite one-score Fickle era Bearcat wins? Second pick. So obviously my first pick was just kind of like a fun one off the board because uh, I wanted to pick something that was not going to be the obvious uh, <laughs> more than anything because I'm with you on the I'm with you on the US, UCF one, of course. But um I would have to say my second pick gonna stay in 2019. That was a very interesting year for the Bearcats. Um, a lot of close ones. Temple, Temple at home, 15 to 13. That one was a, a very interesting game. I still remember like yesterday, the Kobe Bryant kicks get <laughs> well, I guess kick two, uh, or whatever it ended up being. Um, that ended up kind of sealing that game, putting us on top 15 to 13. That was a game where it looked like it was going to get away from us. And we came through the end. Um, a lot of heroics in that game ended up uh, getting us the share of the AAC East title there, um, which then, of course, led us on to the terrible twos of Memphis. But uh, that game was a lot of fun. And I think that was a you know pretty nice environment uh, to kind of be in there. So. I'd have to rock with that one. I agree with that one. I like that one a lot. As for uh, my snake draft next pick, uh, you have so many good ones on here. Mm. Ah, God, there's so many good ones. I'm going to say the 2017 at Miami. Oh man. That's just such a kick in the ass, man. Like that was so good. The, yeah. <laughs> that was, that was one where it was like, all right, streaks over, not going to happen. And then just out of nowhere, <laughs> it, it all comes together when it just, when all of the hope was out the window and that game, I think was like for the history of the rivalry. I think that was probably one of, if not the most interesting games uh, in our lifetimes, uh, just because of how quickly that narrative switched and how the Bearcats looking like they're going to lose that streak uh, can manage to get that all that together right at the end and end up winning. So I think, I think that'd have to be my third there. Yeah. So you gotta think about the context behind that game too. Miami greased up their uh, uh, like field goal poles, uh, their yep. uprights because they thought their students were going to tear them down. They, they invited like all of their recruits. They made that their homecoming <laughs> game, made it like a thing for students to come. And students actually came like Miami made shirts too, as like bring home the bell and like victory bell champs. Like they made everything of their season <laughs> about that game and yep. they had it in the bag, but late game. I, I remember this as clear as day. Justin. <laughs> Bearcats score a touchdown, kick it deep. Cause there's probably, I think there was about four minutes left in the game. Mm-hmm. kick it deep but the guy doesn't let it the returner doesn't let it go into his end zone for a touchback he instead like 
decides to return it, gets tackled around the seven yard line. Mm-hmm. Miami's pinned deep and Bearcats have been able to stuff their run game a little bit. So they decide to pass molar grad Gus Raglan, <laughs> which was extra sweet for me. Yeah, of course. Molar grad Gus Raglan decides to throw a pass and Malik Clements, who um, I don't, I don't really know what else he did for us in, in our, in his time here, but he, he, he might be a UC hall of famer just for winning that game. On yep. his own. He picked that ball <laughs> off, ran into the end zone, dejected Miami fans all over the place. God, that was so sweet. That yeah. was just so sweet because like I said, they, they, they did. So that's such a great pick, Justin. I was, gonna be my last <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so uh, just that, that was, man, that was such a good game. Like, and just so much fun too to drink right. tears. Such oh, of course. And that was their best chance to beat us probably too. Oh yeah. I don't think they're, they're going to get us anytime soon. No, never definitely know, not now. I don't think so. They thought they could have a chance in the first half this year, but uh, they had us in the first away. half. Yeah. <laughs> had us in the first half. All right, Steve. Well, your third and final pick for at least our favorites of these one score wins. Uh, where are you going? Um, well, I got a couple of honorable mentions uh, for sure, but um, I'd probably have to choose the 2020 championship game against Tulsa because yep. even though it probably should have been like many Bearcats wins over the past few years, a bigger, more lopsided <laughs> win. Um, just the fact that it was in the rain and it was gross out and Desmond Ritter led a drive to get the Bearcats in field position for Cole Smith to knock it down and get us in. And it, like, I just, I think that was just part of like a, a capping off a year, which was kind of hard for a lot of us. And, you know, just, just to have that joy and like really celebrate because like we always kind of thought like, man, if this thing ever got rolling again, we should really be competing for conference championships. And I know that was what coach fickle had talked about a lot is like our first goal was to win a championship. And man, that was so sweet for Desmond Ritter, for coach fickle, for all the guys. Uh, that was my first year not working for the team. So it was weird just to watch games on TV, but it right. felt like, you know, it was just the culmination of that first era, first recruiting class of the fickle era. Um, and, you know, it was just such a cool moment for all those guys. So um, I'm going to have to say that. Um, honorable mention, Justin, um, I got two. Uh, well, I'll let you. Uh, do you have an honorable mention? Um, Before we choose our worst. Yeah, I would have to say. Mm, I would say the SMU one's got to be an honorable yeah. mention. That was yeah, another uh, that was another pick six, right? that yeah, sealed that game on the yep. road. Yeah. And overtime. So I think that would probably be my honorable mention. Yeah. I remember watching that in the FBO in Dallas and just jumping around like, Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> so yeah, that, that was one of those games that like, you're literally out of your seat, like willing him into the end zone. Like, go, yeah. come on. Yeah. So, because that SMU team was not that good that year. The Bearcats probably should have won that game by a lot more. But was that a Wiggins interception on that one? I'm yes, trying to remember that who was. That was. Okay. Yeah. So, that's what I thought. Another honorable mention for me was the Ohio comeback, um, where you oh, know, yeah. it was kind of one of those first games after that UCLA game where you thought, okay, they should be better. Maybe they, you know, they they dug themselves into like a, a 24 to 7 hole, I think. I forget exactly. <laughs> how big the hole was, but they were able to make their way back in the second half. James Wiggins closed that one down with a pick to end the game. Um, and then man, that ECU game, um, I, 
I was at a Halloween party, Justin, to be honest, and they didn't have CBS Sports Network, so I wasn't able to watch it. And I was just following along like, no, we're not going to lose this game. Yeah. Come on, <laughs> we can't lose this game. And then, you know, Sam Crosa delivering at the end, the Sauce Gardner pick six, where he's just like literally like running through the entire ECU offense just to score there. Um, yeah. That was probably ECU's best chance to beat us too re- in recent years and uh, didn't really happen for him. So. If I remember correctly – it it may have been a different game. I could be totally off the wall on this. I'd have to go back and look, and I'd have to ask Joel. But I think that game we would have uh, we did the um, like a watch party at uh, Murphy's. I think that was ECU. It could have been a different game. I remember doing a well, watch party at Murphy's for the Ohio Murphy's State. Watch party was the the Marshall game, right? I thought. Well, oh did- yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. Was, you're right. Did Marshall, you do all the watch watch parties at Murphy's that year? We did Murphy's for, uh, yeah, for for sure for Marshall. Um, Ohio State was actually St. Clair. I remember um, that, yeah. And then I thought we did ECU too, but we maybe not. I don't remember. I remember watching the game. I just, my mind can't yeah. place where it was. But, um, right. yeah, I still, I still think, like, the 2019 season is probably the most interesting season as far as, like, you know, of these past few years where we've been able to rack up like 10 wins. That was an ugly year for 10 wins. We pulled <laughs> but, a lot of them out of the fire. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, yeah, so that, I mean, I think pretty much covers anything, everything with that, um, well, unless you got anything else to round us off. One more. Oh, shoot. Yeah, you're right. You're our right. Our least favorite one. And as the host of this segment, Justin, I will let you pick your least favorite because I have one that I have my eye on, but um, I'll let you go first. Mm. Uh, I'm going to say Navy at Navy 2021. That game was so ugly. And that game, like, I mean, granted, we ended up making the college football playoff, but I remember after that game ended when it looked like we were going to throw that one away. I was like, that was our chance and we blew it. Like we just had to beat Navy by like two scores and we would have been fine. Take care of business. <laughs> yep. Navy almost got us. That was yep. not fun to watch. Yep. Definitely. Um, it's a toss up for me, but I think I'm going to have to go with last year's Tulsa game. Um, the fact that we weren't able to just demolish them after like game day and just the atmosphere around homecoming and yep. just like the whole game, like Desmond Ritter doing like the Megan Rapino when he scored yeah. that first <laughs> touchdown, like, man, like that game should have been so much different than it was. And like, that was a real turning point for people that are like, they only beat Tulsa by eight and Tulsa could have tied the game at the end. Like that was people's talking point for the rest of the year. So right. um, if I had to pick one that I just, I don't like, and I wish wouldn't exist. It would probably be that Tulsa one. Um, I'm not as indifferent about the UCF game. Cause that was kind of like a, well, we beat them at home, but we needed to beat them at their place you know, right. in 2020. And wait, that game was also very frustrating, but uh, we were able to get that done, but yeah, probably <laughs> last year's Tulsa game. Um, uh, <laughs> as I said before, uh, in the late 2019 and mid 2020 was when these one score games Stop being cute and it got kind of annoying. <laughs> yep. Yeah. 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 Definitely but, agree with you on that. That's uh there's the the magic runs out at a certain point. You're like, all right, we need to start pile driving some of these teams. But Justin, could you give me the the, the Al Davis line? 
Davis line. Uh, I feel like just win, that. baby. Just win. <laughs> okay, gotcha, just gotcha. win, baby. Yeah. Yeah, you're so, right. You're how right. about them Bearcats? Just keep on winning. So, <laughs> hopefully, we didn't bring up any bad memories for for people with that one score uh, bit. But I thought that was fun to just kind of look back on it. And um, well, they're also one score of, wins. They're not one score losses. They're one score wins. So that's true. Yeah. Yeah, and. You know, it's it's a lot of good memories in there. You know, a lot of good wins where, like, we. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, and I th- I think people will kind of enjoy some of those those trips down memory lane. So, if we um, want to do one score for- losses, it can get a lot more dramatic and a lot more upsetting. Uh, really fast. <laughs> we're well, not doing that, I mean, but <laughs> I guess the nice thing is we don't have that many. But uh, that's true. You know, at, yeah. Because we we've either gotten blown out uh, in that 2017 year in uh, a couple of different games, or uh, yeah, only a yeah. couple one score losses in there, and those are yeah. too painful that I don't want to bring up. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> cool. Um, well, that about wraps our uh, our segment for our bye week pod. Um, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, what we will be doing is starting a transition. We don't exactly have a solidified name. Right now, we're workshopping it, but for now, we're going to call it Campus Kings, where we're going to be going over some of the overarching storylines of the rest of college football. Um, specifically, going to try to give, go give you a games to watch sort of list and things to keep in mind um, when Saturday rolls around um, or Friday or Thursday, uh, or uh, I guess Maction is kind of in its retirement phase now. So, uh, Mainly Saturdays. Collection night, baby. (laughs) Back there. So, um, yeah, you're going to keep your eye out for that. We'll try to do that weekly where we're going to give previews of five um, top 25 games to watch and five non-top 25 games to watch. Um, So keep in mind for that, we will be releasing these episodes probably the day after our regular episode just to keep things kind of flowing and give you guys some other stuff to pay attention to. So be on the lookout for that. Again, thank you for listening. This has been Viva La Cats. Check us on that next episode.